0: Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome once again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. You know, I would get a lot more reading done. Reading that would be essential to this podcast. Reading that would, well, that, well, would educate me, illuminate me, make me a better writer, a better, a better reader, a better artist. I would really get a lot more reading done if I spent less time, if I spent less time online. I'm, I, I, I'm better than I used to be. According to this, this app, this, this grouchy judgy alert that I have no memory of activating my computer. In the past month, I spent on average about 69 hours a week online. Which, by the way, is an improvement. The month before, I clocked in an alarming, an alarming 82 hours a week online. And I'd I'd love to say that those long, 12-hour days in front of my screen were spent reading back issues of the Partisan Review or, uh, I don't know, I don't know, on the William Blake archive studying his illustrations of the Book of Job. But, alas, they were, they were not. No, actually, I actually spent, I actually spent a lot of time googling, which I am told is a verb now, googling the name Timmy Black. Now, in my defense, it's actually a a mental health thing. You see, with my tragically fragile sense of self-esteem, looking myself up online is a fairly inexpensive way to find an equally fragile sense of, I don't know, existential comfort. Yes, you might be surprised to learn I am frightfully insecure and I'm Always happy to learn that people like me. Or at least they like the podcast. And fortunately, they often mistake the podcast for me, Timmy. So I read, I read a lot of comments and I, I pore over my algorithms. And did you know that I have more listeners or had more listeners in Iran than i did in san francisco during the period between february and may of this year and, and, and that makes me feel very good temporarily and, and, and you can't put a price on that it's very very it's very important anyway the obvious flip side to all this is that if i if I fail to curate this internet research carefully, this, this sad exercise could actually yield the opposite of, of, of the intended result. I mean, I don't have to tell you, I don't have to tell you that there are a lot of haters out there. La, a lot of people, a lot of artists, a lot of curators, a lot of collectors, especially collectors, a, a, a lot of art critics and a lot of art students. There are a lot of those types of people, a lot of those types of people that actually that actually dislike me. well, well, despise me. and, and, and by the way, I can understand why. I mean, I mean with, with, with a short 10 minute podcast episode, I can make, or break a career, and, and, and though I'm I'm rather proud of bringing artists like, say, I don't know, like uh, like like Curado Malaspina or, or or Venda Benjamin to the public's attention, I, I I still I still lose sleep over that that hatchet job, that very funny hatchet job, but a hatchet job nonetheless of the moderately talented, though conceptually bereft. Los Angeles painter David Schaffin. I mean, since that broadcast, that poor guy hasn't been able to lift a brush, which is probably his most significant contribution to the art world, but nonetheless, but nonetheless, it's sad. Anyway, anyway, back to the subject at hand. I would get a lot more reading done if I stopped these online exercises in psychic self-care but if you want to know the truth if you want to know the truth according to my wife Tina the artist Tina Black according to my wife what I really suffer from is is the imposter syndrome I had to look that one up I I actually had to look that one up the imposter syndrome Have, have you heard of this have you heard of this thing, this imposter syndrome? I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the internet about this imposter syndrome. There, there, there are essays, there's, there's TED talks, videos, there's, there's a personality tests in order to determine to what degree you suffer from this imposter syndrome. There are seminars. Uh, designed to remedy the condition. They, they have these exotic retreats to southwestern spas in order to address the early childhood traumas that may be the sources of this unfortunate but not uncommon syndrome. There are support groups, conventions. There are three D.C. lobbying organizations. And if you've never heard of this thing, this imposter syndrome, if you've never heard of it, it's basically when a person feels like a fraud even though there is ample circumstantial evidence of their questionable achievements which basically sounds like the classic definition of being an artist so when i figured out that that that, uh, that that's what it was I, I i i honestly wasn't terribly concerned i mean it wasn't anything like like that time i i had this callus this awful callus on my elbow it lasted about six months and the and the internet convinced me that i was i was suffering from acute mysotoma Anyway, spell check. Spell check is a very interesting thing. It's like, a, it's like an unreliable best friend. A best friend who one day saves you from drowning and the next day forgets to pick you up at the airport. I mean, because in the course of these long 12 hour days of psychological hypochondria, one time my computer corrected the spelling of the word imposter and replaced it with the word impasto <laughs> yeah impasto <laughs> and, and and wouldn't you know it as if we artists and art podcasters don't have enough to worry about, there's this new thing, this new impairment, this new aesthetic misdemeanor that we all now have to take into account when we analyze paintings. Now we have this thing called the imposto syndrome. Apparently it's a real Now, according to the generally accepted definition, which, by the way, I got from the website of the Yale University School of Art, the definition of impasto syndrome is when a painter mistakes the use of thick paint applied in in bold, agitated brushstrokes for an authentic expression of urgent artistic commitment. I'm not making this up. And when you think about it, all these artists that you've secretly suspected of being show-offs, these ham-handed painterly exhibitionists, well now they begin to come to mind. Now I, I wouldn't necessarily want to question the legitimacy of say Chaim Soutine or uh, I don't know Willem de Kooning or, or even early Dahlia Danton, but it does it does shed some new light on, say, someone like uh, Asger Yorn or, or Pierre Soulage or, or, or even Tomasino Agave, and to a certain degree, the otherwise extremely interesting Tracy Shmaryahu. Now, unlike the more famous syndrome, the imposter syndrome, there are no support groups, no self help manuals, no life-hack bullet-pointed lists that can significantly significantly address this, this problem, this, this new malaise. No, like everything else, for us, for us artists, it's much, much harder. It's really up to the individual, the individual painter. And, and all I can say is God help all those unfortunates who suffer from both. The imposter syndrome and the impasto syndrome because that, that must be a living hell. But I suppose it's just another thing. I suppose it's just another thing, just another challenge, just another difficult and painful crucible in the lives of contemporary artists.